Hello, hello. Hey, how's it going, Curtis? It's going pretty good. Uh, yeah, sorry about the delay. I just, um, I had everything set up to record, and then um, I had the urge, like, I felt like I needed to take a shit. Uh-huh. So I, I went and sat down, but it wasn't a shit. Oh. It was a baby. I just had a baby. You had a baby? A butt baby, yeah. Oh. Can you hear it crying in the background? Um, no, but I usually hear a bunch of kids in the background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so for everyone who isn't part of our Discord server, which is approximately 97% of our listeners, um, Rob is now named Curtis. Yep, that's right. Do you want to explain it or? Oh, well, yeah, I went back to uh, the waffle place for the first time in like five months. If people remember, Rob goes to a waffle place and there's a waffle woman there that's really cute. Waffle woman, that's right. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was at the, they have it so you can't even walk into the door now. You just have to stand at outside on the sidewalk and like order across a table to the person who's on the inside you know and it was it was waffle woman so um you know my turn to order came up and i stepped up and she said hi curtis i didn't bother to correct her that's (laughs) fine i like the name curtis it so much um so now i have to change like all the uh graphics i have that have rob love like all the buttons i had made i gotta get uh reprinted so that's curtis right. love is a pretty that's a cool name actually i should have <laughs> i should have gone up like at open mics as curtis love or well yeah because there is a comedian named rob love like not a famous one but it's a black guy. So when I first was trying to um, unveil your identity, I, I Googled Rob Love and it was just like this black guy. And I was like, it do- that doesn't look like Rob sounds. Yeah, no, I've, I've never Googled myself, so I've never encountered that. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's a weird territory, the Googling oneself or Googling others. Um... Like, I was once asked out on a date by a regular at one of my restaurants who I assumed was a gay porn star just because he was hanging out at my restaurant, like, in the middle of the day. So he clearly didn't have an office job. And um, he was really, like, buff and, like, good-looking. And he had said something about moving to San Francisco because it was just better for his work. Um, and so I just kind of put that together in my brain, like doesn't have a day job, works out a lot. San Francisco's better for his work. Obviously he does gay porn, but then he asked me out and I was like, okay, well probably not gay. I'll just go on a date with him and I'll ask him what he does. Uh, but my boss Googled him before the date. And told me who he was. And I was like, I don't, it's, it's a little weird. Like, I don't know that I would have thought to do that myself. Um, I don't know. I recently Googled my stepdad to see if he was dead, but he's not. So that's disappointing. That's right. I, that was on the Patreon episode with Scott, right? Oh yeah, that's true. I already talked about that on the podcast, huh? I don't, I don't remember the things I talk about, to be honest with you. 
Um, but that's that's when I'm at my best is when I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying. Um, what was I gonna say? So Rob, how was camping? Camping was a blast. Um, it went pretty well. There was a couple of uh, low points. <laughs> the first one, the first night we got there, the first day we got there, you know, unloaded all whatever. Made I made all the trips. Charlie hung out at the campsite with the tent and everything and just explored the creek or whatever while I made successive trips with all the stuff. And we got all the stuff there and we're all set up and we had, I guess we had dinner already and the sun was going down so it was starting to get dark out and I had these candles. I'd bought these candles like months ago just for no reason, but I was like, oh, I'll take them camping. And uh, they're like, Maybe twice the size of a birthday candle or something. Okay. Maybe twice the height, twice the height and thickness of a birthday candle. And so we were having fun. Like I was melting the bottom and then sticking the the melted bottom onto a rock to act as like a little impromptu candle holder. Oh, smart! I like that. Yeah. So we had like these candles going around the campsite, and of course incense burning, and. uh and we were just kind of sitting around in camp chairs. And um, I went to go look for... I think we were putting them on, like, the boulders that are, like, part of the hardscape around the campsite, you know? Mm-hmm. Big rocks that don't move. And I was like, oh, if this this is going to start dripping wax all over them, I'm going to feel bad. So I went to go look for, like, a rock to put them on. Mm-hmm. Like a little candle holder rock. And I turn around and I start walking... I've got my like flashlight out and I hear this clash, cl- clamber, clash, thud. And uh, Charlie had fallen backwards in her camp chair and hit her head really <gasps> hard on the picnic table. No. Yeah. So I run over there and she's holding her head and I, you know, I get her in my arms and I, you know, talking to her, trying to, you know, like I, I immediately went into like calm mode, <laughs> like crisis mode, Yeah, you know, like very, very meticulous, you know, just like, this is, you know, just plain speak. This is for calm, calm voice, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so she, and I, you know, I was holding her for a few seconds while she's holding her head and crying. And I said, I, I need to take a look at it. And there's just blood just coursing down the no. back of her head. Yeah. And That's so I'm bad. just like, yeah, yeah. Well, she hit it on the, it's like a, like a faux wood, like a plasticky resin type mm-hmm. of a material that they make the picnic tables out of. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is if it was real wood, it probably wouldn't have been as bad because the plastic doesn't wear, wear down over time. Like I can imagine a wooden table would have had round, more rounded edges. Yeah. <laughs> Just due, due to it, due to its age or whatever. So it's like, okay, immediately go into like crisis mode. I'm like going through the, okay, this is, <laughs> what do you do in the case of a concussion? You know, tra- traumatic brain injury protocols or, you know, I'm like going through all this in my head. But meanwhile, trying to calm her down, and it was kind of like your Frankie episode. Oh, uh, your Frankie yeah. Inc- Frank, sorry, Frank incident. 
on that you discussed on that same Scott Patreon episode. Patreon, one dollar a month, get into it. <laughs> Shit gets raw over so there. <laughs> so it's like nine thirty at night. It's just gotten dark. We're a mile and a half from the parking lot. And I'm just like going through all these, you know, scenarios in my head. Okay, well, if I have to get her out of here, you know, what's the move? I can't even make a phone call. So, like, I can text to 911, I guess. <laughs> you know, like all this stuff's Jeez. going through my head. Wait, because you had no phone service out there? There's no service. You can, if you stand like in the right spot, you can get like a bar. Okay. Um, enough to t- enough to send a text, but not enough to see. I texted her mom, and I was like, uh, "You know, this is what happened. Um, you know, here's where we are. Can you look up like what do you recommend?" She looked up some information, like a website or whatever, and like sent me a a link to like something and i was like yeah i can't i can't even open a link here like can you spell it out for me oh my god what a nightmare (laughs) it was a total nightmare and so whatever we got the the bleeding stopped we waited a little bit i i like i warmed up some water on the camp stove and like wet it wetted a towel down and um did the best i could like cleaning the blood off of her and out of her hair and stuff but without like touching the wound and stuff and then she put on some like neosporin and like oh she did first like a little antiseptic cleansing wipe and then dabbed on some neosporin and like there wasn't enough gauze in the first aid kit to do like a I don't know there was no way to bandage it because it was like on the back of her head and yeah. her hair and stuff. So it would have had to like wrap all the way around like an old timey toothache. <laughs> but um but there wasn't I don't I don't know. It just didn't seem it seemed like it had stopped bleeding and she had this like big kind of like stocking cap kind of thing that she could wear to like keep the keep the wound clean or whatever. So we just went with that and uh I don't know. She went to bed. We went to bed. And then she woke up at like 1230 in the morning, like crying because her like head and neck hurt. Oh, my and I'm God. Just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's when I texted her mom and I was like, hey, are you up? Like, this is what's going on. And. Yeah, so we ended up just like she went back to sleep. Um, part of the problem was she was like the the there's a gentle slope to the the pad where our tent was set up so she was like kind of pitched um with her head down a little bit oh no so the blood's all flowing to the head right right so wrong time for that so like we switched her around and uh she she you know was able to fall back asleep and i don't know i was just like freaked out at this point <laughs> you know just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'd be tempted but, to, like, want to throw in the towel, you know, and be like, I don't know. You yeah, know? well, here was the thing, though. Like, I was tempted to do that as well, but we were, like, a mile and a half from the parking lot in mm-hmm. the pitch black. So, and she wasn't so much, she was hurting so much, she didn't want to, like, ride her bike. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So it would have been a mile and a half walk or, uh, you know, texting 911 and have, there's a fire station, like, 
eh, probably three or four miles from where we were mm-hmm. that I'm sure they have a key to the gate, you know, that <laughs> blocks yeah. the entrance to the trail or whatever. So, I mean, they could have, they could have made a, a visit, but again, what are they going to do exactly? I mean, if it was really bad and she yeah. needed just immediate whatever, but so part of the information that I got back from her mom was like, um, you know, just keep, uh, just keep your eyes open for, you know, signs of whatever, um, like dizziness, like dizziness, dizziness, nausea, vomiting. Yeah. Um, twitchy eyes, crossed eyes, inability to focus, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was like, well, okay, well that's, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't seem to be like urgent, urgent. And the fact that she wasn't bleeding was Mm -hmm. good. You know, I didn't see like an open wound. It was more like a scrape. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So otherwise that would have been the other issue. Like if she needed stitches or something that would have definitely been a game changer. But so anyway, we, we ended up going back to sleep and she woke up in the morning and I asked her how she was doing. She said her head didn't hurt nearly as bad. So I was like, okay, well, we'll play it by ear if you, if you, you know, whatever. Just pay attention to how you feel and let me know if any, if there's any changes or, or whatever. But, you know, I was, I told her I was ready to take off out of here, you know, at any time. Yeah. So let's just play it by ear. And if we need to leave later, we can. But otherwise, you know, let's whatever we we went and did some exploring and she i don't know it's it got better so and, and then, then like, oh yeah so go uh, ahead later when she got a headache it was just because you were yelling at her about conspiracy theories mm-hmm. right yeah the moon this time right uh-huh. <laughs> so the oh and then the next day yeah it was probably like you know late morning early afternoon the next day um, we'd had breakfast. She was showing, we were down at the Creek and she was walking around in her bare feet in the Creek water and she loves rocks and there's tons of rocks. It's just like a really rocky Creek bed. Mm-hmm. So, um, she was showing me this cool rock she found. She's like, look, it's really sharp and it breaks up easy. And then it slipped out of her hand and like landed right on her toe. Oh. We're both just, we both watched it fall, hit her toe, and we're both watching, and then like one, one one thousand, two one thousand, and then blood starts coming out of her toe. (laughs) And she was just like, well, (laughs) that sucks. I mean, she (laughs) made her forget about her head for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So then I went, helped her out, out of the creek, and we like made it up the path to this tape other picnic table from the nearby campsite and I went and got the first aid kit and like I was like Jesus this first aid kit's getting a workout this camping trip yeah but it was fine we put a put some neosporin and a band-aid on it it was it was all right um and but. then you brought her back to her mom's just like that guy in National Lampoon's Vacation where he's like, it's only a flesh wound. And by the end of the movie, he's all bandaged up. Like, that's how you dropped her off to her mom's house. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but otherwise, other than that, it was pretty fun. It did rain for like 12 hours one day, oh, which kind of was a sucked. bummer. Yeah, it just started drizzling and just drizzled nonstop for like 12 hours. And at first, you know, at the campsite, you can just hang out under the trees because you're protected from the drizzle. But then after like nine hours, the um, the trees got saturated and started like dripping big drops. So now it was either out in the open with drizzle or under the trees with big drops. Oh. <laughs> and that's where that's where the camp stove was set up, was like under the tree with the big drops. So I'm like <laughs> cooking cooking dinner in a flannel that I'd been wearing all day. I didn't even bring like any kind of a raincoat or anything camping because it wasn't supposed to rain. Yeah. And uh, so it was like starting to get soaked through. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is going to suck if this thing gets... It was kind of like a quilted flannel sort of a thing just like oh this is gonna suck if it if it gets soaked through like i'm screwed so we just made a quick night or you know she had oh dude this was the cool oh okay i haven't even talked about the cool stuff let me talk about the cool stuff tell me about the cool stuff rob okay i have gotten really good at this bike packing thing Mm -hmm. we i uh became intrigued with the the idea of um bringing dry ice along oh so i scouted out at the hospital they they have all these like medical um like cooler things that they ship around with dry or with ice packs in them they're it's not even dry ice but they're like really thick styrofoam like really you know really good insulation like probably better insulation than an igloo cooler to be honest Mm -hmm. because it's for like organs yeah, or medications, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, you can put anything in there, but the there's, you know, the quality of styrofoam to insulate is almost unmatched. Yeah. Um so, yeah. So, uh so I found one that seemed right, and the whole idea was to bring popsicles to the campsite and have camping popsicles because what could be cooler than that, right? <laughs> so, so I, you know, bought the bought a couple boxes of popsicles. I got some other frozen stuff too. Charlie like requested these um, sweet potato tater tot things, um, and so I got a few things that needed to be frozen. And we went to the ice place and got. Uh, they sell like ten pound ten pound blocks of dry ice, and it's about the size of, you know, maybe a record album, smaller than a record album, and like height and height and width but um it's like way thicker you know it's like three inches thick or something so it slipped into the it it fit perfectly in the little cooler i was i was so jazzed so and it ended up lasting let's see we had frozen popsicles the all the way through the second night wow but then by the third by the third morning they were pretty pretty slushy yeah so you get two two and a half you know two solid days out of that yeah so we had a freezer we had a freezer at the campsite pretty cool that is pretty cool and then the tater tots i didn't know what the hell i was going to do with tater tots because you usually put those in an oven i didn't have anything like that i just had like a coleman you know Mm -hmm. camp stove but i did figure out a way to like sort of pan fry them that made them you know over low heat that yeah. was almost like baking is like a cross between baking and pan frying. And, uh, it, 
they turned out great. So yeah. So that was a big hit as well. I, yeah. That's so. pretty exciting. Yeah, we lived it. We lived life. Yeah. We were living it up. It was pretty great. And then Charlie caught a frog. What'd she and, do with uh, it? She held it in her hands. This was like the, this would be like the third day. So after the second night, she had already had her breakfast. I was making some eggs and veggie sausage and uh, finished making that up. And I went down to the creek because I figured she was down there and I didn't see her. So I crossed the creek, stepped over the stones to cross the creek where you can like kind of walk up stream on the other side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw her probably like 100 feet up there where there's like this cool, it's like a lagoon. We call it the lagoon, but it's this maybe dammed it's i guess it's sort of dammed off a little bit to where it forms this um an area with slow moving water that's much deeper it's about three and a half feet deep or Mm so it's almost kind of like a big wading pool um area but she was over there and she's like papa i got a frog (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so i went over there found her she had the frog in her hands and uh, showed me the frog, and the frog sort of tried to jump out. She caught it, whatever. I took a couple pictures, and then we decided to put the frog back in the water. So she put the frog back in the water, and then we followed the frog down the um, the creek. And, um, like, he started to go out towards the middle, and then he came back and basically came right back to where we were. Oh. <laughs> it was just, it was just looking at us. <laughs> Maybe he liked being held. I guess so. And then what's funny is that the next day, the last day, she caught, she thinks it's the same frog. It might be, but she caught it. And this time she brought it all the way up to where the camp, to the campsite and showed me the frog in her hands. <laughs> and brought it back to the creek. <laughs> she named him Dirt. Um, it doesn't make you panic when you don't have eyes on her. Like you're in the woods and she's just somewhere. You don't panic if she's out of your range of vision? Nah. Because I could hear her if she screamed or yelled yeah. out or whatever. But, um, I mean, it's already kind of part of the nature of the trip because unless she's going to accompany me accompany me for all five trips required to, like, shuttle all the stuff yeah. from the parking lot to the campsite, she's gonna, she's got some alone time. I think she kind of enjoys it. I'm sure. I'm sure. At her age, of course she wants to be away from you. I just, like, I panic if I, if I don't have eyes on my dog. You know what I mean? And we're in a house. Like, we have a house and a yard. Where are they going? But, like, one time our landscapers didn't close our gate right. Because, like, our gate sucks. We have the bottom, like, lined with pavers. Because it doesn't, like, stay in place. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And it's we're white trash so rather than like spend hundreds of dollars on a new gate we put some pavers at the bottom of it so it doesn't blow either way but the landscapers didn't put them back and i couldn't find ralphie and he was actually just sitting in the front yard like he had left the gate and then he was just in the front yard barking at something i think a cat (laughs) um because there's all these like there's all these stray cats i think our neighbors on either side feed stray cats so, like, after dark, and they're all fluffy. They're all long-haired. After dark, there's just these cats. Um, but anyways, Ralphie's just in the front yard barking at 
probably where one of the cats had been sleeping. And so thank God, you know, we grabbed them and we fixed the gate, whatever. But like ever since then, now I panic if I don't have, if I, I like, I don't need to be petting them or have their attention or anything. I just am like, I need to know where you are at all times. Um, I, I probably would maybe be a little bit of a neurotic parent. I think, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just the age that she's at now where, you know, she's about to turn 12 mm -hmm. and, uh, so I don't know. I picture, I, I think back on what I was doing at her age yeah. and I was, you know, I was full on latchkey kid from like the age of seven or something. You know what I mean? Six or seven. I think I was mm -hmm. like coming home and to an empty house, let myself. In. Yeah, no, I was, I was the same because my, um, well, when my parents got divorced, my mom went back to work and like, if it was during the summer, um, when we were like little, little, like, four and six obviously we had a Danny but then when we got older um like probably around yeah seven eight we would be left home alone like we knew how to cook like we did our like we had to we were it's weird like when I hear that people's parents do their laundry for them because like we from like I think age seven onwards like it was like you're on your own boss like yeah <laughs> like fucking yeah, yeah you yeah. can and so I was definitely that kid because at 12 I was I was working I like ran the church daycare um which is weird that I was like scheduling my 11 and 10 year old employees at age 12 but like so it, it is pretty grown up depending on the kid I guess it but I'm I don't know yeah I guess I guess it's fine she's practically an adult She's going to be into her own conspiracy theories any day now. That's how, you know, a girl becomes a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she and then she's also just kind of become more comfortable being, you know, in, more independent. Like, you know, two or three years ago, she would not feel comfortable going even outside by herself almost, you know. Yeah. But. But, like, I just got her a skateboard. She got her her own first brand-new skateboard oh. for her birthday. And uh, she felt comfortable enough to, like, you know, ride it around the block mm -hmm. without me being there. So it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you can do that. I mean, there's always the threat of being kidnapped, I guess. But <laughs> it's weird to think, okay, because kids don't play outside as much as they used to. I Zach and I just watched this documentary on HBO called Class Action Park, and it's about Action Park in New Jersey, which is infamous for being dangerous. But um, a lot of the people they interviewed who were talking about growing up in the 80s were saying, like, like we were the last generation of, like, outdoor kids. Like, cause I grew up, um, first our house backed up to the woods and we would go like play on dangerous ice ponds and shit. Like, and then we lived on a lake and like, we had a, like a little like rowboat with a motor that we could use. Like my brother would have a friend come home with him after school and then he would boat it across the lake to drop his friend off in his neighborhood. And like during the summer, our parents said, like, you have to get out of the house. And they had, like, a list of options. Like, you can ride your bike 
five laps around the neighborhood or like I can't remember what the other ones were, but they would have a list like and it wasn't instead of being like, no, you can't go outside alone. They were like, go outside and do something and then we'll <laughs> let you back in. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. so it's just I mean, I don't know. Our kids like we would like walk over to neighbor kids house and like we would do bottle rockets and like. We were outdoor kids, um, and I don't know if that's normal anymore. Yeah, I see some kids in, you know, small groups, like maybe if, you know, siblings or something. Yeah. That'll that'll be out on their own, but no, you're right. You, you really don't see, like, kids under even, like, 14 or 15 out by themselves much yeah you don't i guess by 14 you don't see like when i grew up like eight years old you got your bike you got your super soaker you've declared war on the redhead twins down the street and you're going to be doing drive-bys all day like that's what yeah it was and um i don't i don't know if that's that's a thing anymore and partially like kids now rather than hang out in person after school they kind of hang out digitally i guess um, but yeah. I think the fear, the parental fear, um, of kidnapping and all that stranger danger stuff, um, really, I, it changed the world. Uh, even though, even, not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but like actual stranger kidnapping is very, very rare. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I think that was part of it. But then I also think at the same time, there was also this emergence of um, like video game technology mm-hmm. that, you know, as 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 stranger danger was becoming um, more and more of a, a perceived threat. Um, so, too, was the ability of a kid to pretty affordably <laughs> stay at home all day just playing video games. You know, the price of video game systems and their quality went you know, price went down, quality went up. So, like these days, geez. And then with YouTube, the internet, yeah. I think was a big, like you said, with the online interactions and everything, like my kid would be pretty happy just sitting in her room watching YouTube videos. And uh, I think she's on this, like, Minecraft Discord server. Oh. Like, she spends all day like talking to who knows who on this discord server i think it's mostly other little kids but geez that's one that's one area where i'm like oh my god like it would be so easy for some creep to just go like join the minecraft oh yeah discord and be like hey i love my little pony too (laughs) i'm 11 (laughs) you know (laughs) i don't know yeah there's just all it's weird because, like, Go I, ahead. oh, even, like, young men I know, like, they hang out digitally. Like, so when I worked at the theater, at the movie theater, obviously I worked with a lot of younger people. And then now I work at Starbucks with younger people who are all, they're all around, like, let's say 18 to 23 and, like, they'll be like, all right, what time are you off? What time are you logging on? What game do you want to play today? And, like, they play these, you know, headset games. And that's how, like, they hang out. And that's how it was at the theater, too. Like, even the cool kids, like, where I'm like, they're like, 
cool dudes. They're dressed cool. They're fashionable. Like, they should be out picking up on chicks or whatever. But they're just, like, you know, going to go play video games with their bros. Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I don't get it. It's, that's a different world from the world I grew up in, for sure. Part of it I, like, love because, I, like, I'm going to be real with you. This is, like me being honest to people who just in case like there was any semblance of me being cool left in your mind like I don't really have in real life friends I, I used to and I think a combination of moving outside of downtown Phoenix and um, I you know I, I'm in the service industry so I work an opposite schedule like as my friends have moved into day jobs um, and being chronically ill, like all of it, a combination and also being, being like hateful, being a hateful person. Um, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have, uh, IRL friends. So like my friends, I like interact with it is, it is through digital media and I've met them through digital media. Like, um, either like through Instagram or through Twitter or the podcast, like literally everyone that I consider to be a friend other than let's say Scott McNulty is lives in my phone. Like all my friends live in my phone. So I can't totally knock the, I, you know, the concept of it. I can't imagine being chronically ill and working odd hours, like basically not being able to be around people, I would, if it weren't for digital technology, I probably would be a much lonelier person. Um, it, it would be sad. Uh, but um, also, I, the, the degree to which we engage with it is so disgusting. Um, so I've been trying to like limit, limit it. And, and I, I can say that I feel a lot better psychologically. The less I'm on my phone, like what a surprise, what a surprise. The less, the less I'm on Twitter and Instagram, which are the two socials I use, the, the more mentally well-balanced I am. Um, so I don't know, like, and then I'll be like, Ooh, I should, I should log into, you know, the sex, drugs and spirituality account. Like, so I can like tweet things or post things or like, like things to boost me up in the algorithm. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't get into all that. You know what I mean? I can't. Yeah, I'm on a little hiatus from Twitter right now myself. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that was about. I'm pretty sure by the time this this uh, drops, comes out, I think I'll probably be back on Twitter. But I think I'll probably just take a week off or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I saw that you left Twitter. Um... And I couldn't remember why there was some sort of kerfluffle that seemed to happen in your uh, exclusively in your brain. Um, and then I asked. Well, him, no. Okay. Part of it. Part of it was Melvin from Belgium. Yeah. Ask. Uh, he shamed me for my pizza slice that I posted a photo of, and I there I put it. It was this giant slice. Mm -hmm. It was like you know when you don't cut the pizza evenly, so there's like some little tiny ones and then like some really big ones. This yeah. was the biggest one. This was the biggest slice. It filled the whole pizza box. It filled up almost the whole pizza box. So you can imagine like what a crazy slicing job that employee did. Mm -hmm. But I put a dime in the pizza box next to the slice of pizza for scale. Yeah. So that you could see how big the slice of pizza was. 
And then Melvin asked me why I put the, what's, why is the dime there? And it's like, for scale, jerk. Yeah, you're like, this. the same reason why I put a 24-ounce can of beer next to my dick when I send a picture of it to your mom, bitch. Like, <laughs> it's for scale. But then I realized that the um, olive slices are pretty standard, mm-hmm. no matter what, what pizza they're on. And then there was no reason to have a dime for scale because the um, olive slices could show the scale yeah. just fine. And then I felt ashamed, mm-hmm. and I uh, uninstalled Twitter. Well, that is one reason to delete social media. Um, I don't know if it's valid, but I do notice that people on Twitter tend to be meaner to each other uh, than on Instagram. <laughs> like, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird, the two tones of the platform. But, um, yeah, f- I mean, fuck Malvin. And um, you're well now, now. Come on, Melvin's our friend. No, Melvin is our friend. I was just trying to, I was trying to support you in um, this being a valid reason to delete Twitter. Um, your pizza slice was huge. Everything is. It was gigantic. Yeah, it was a gigantic pizza slice. Um, yeah, I, I support you in all of these things. Uh, yeah, it's like when my friend, who's a normal-sized person, takes pictures next to her boyfriend, who is fucking huge. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks for standing next to him for scale. So now that I know that he is a, 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 a giant person. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I might <laughs> think he's a normal-sized human being, which is untrue. Um, so, uh... What what else, Rob? Before I get into some uh, news updates, what else is happening? Well, I do want to. There was one other sour inter well part of camp, the camping trip. Oh. Um, uh, the the U my whole experience with U haul this time, um, and scamming their in town only vehicle to go camping out of town with it left a. a uh, sour taste in my mouth. What happened? Your scam failed. Well, <laughs> well, I sh- I showed up to pick up the the van, and uh, you know whatever, it was fine. You know, like here, you know, I had already like pre-checked it out or whatever online for the most part, so I just had to like you know sign a couple of things, whatever. Got handed the keys, went out there, and. Um, it was like the oldest van in the whole row of parking. It was oh, like, yep, no. that's the one right there. And it's like, oh, the old one? Okay, great. And so I unlock it, and it's like filthy on the inside. There was like this white powder all over the cargo area. And no. like a, an empty, and like an empty, like Mentos container or something. <laughs> like there was literal trash in there. Plus all this like dust. Let's just hope it was you know drywall or something. Yeah, not like, cocaine uh, that you're putting your daughter in this vehicle. <laughs> yeah, or like pesticide or something. Like who knows what white yeah. powder could be? You know, there's all kinds of bad things that have that appearance. So and then also, you know, as soon as I open the door, like this waft of like a thousand cigarettes hit me. You know. <laughs> So yeah. it just smelled like an smelled like a rolling ashtray. It was filthy. So I went back in and like, hey man, this thing is like 
this thing's not clean. It smells like cigarettes. Can I get a different van? And like he tried to log into the, the system and he's like, oh, the system won't let me in. Um, so he's like, hang on. And he just went and like grabbed a mop and some Windex and a rag and just like douched it out real God. quick. And like, was first like, of all, they should have done that before. It still would have stunk like cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But like, what are you doing not cleaning the van before renting it back out? Especially right. during like nobody had it. during COVID. Yeah. It's COVID. I know. Uh, yeah, it's it's clear that that none of the employees had actually like checked the condition of the van. Yeah, you know, they just probably just said, "Okay, grab the keys and signed off on it or whatever." And then, and then, okay, so I ended up. He was just like, "Well, this is just gonna have to do." Sorry, you know. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so. Whatever, it worked fine. It it actually smelled better after he got done cleaning it, and it it didn't continue to like stink really bad. But um, uh, and then like when I went to return the van, like they make you do it. They make they basically make you do the work yourself. So you have to go on to their like app or whatever, and um like take photos of the van and upload them and all of this. And it was like, I showed up like 10 minutes before the, you know, the, the time that I was supposed to drop it, drop it off by. So I'm like, Oh great. So now I have all this work to do before. And then like, I just know that when I click finish, it's going to be after the time yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to drop it off. So I start, I start, you know, trying to figure it out. And then like their app, U-Haul wants to, like, know my location mm-hmm. or something, like, to make sure I'm at the right location, U-Haul place to drop it off. And I'm like, yeah, fine. And they're like, yeah, we can't uh, see your location. You're going to have to go to your settings and turn your Jesus. location on. Jesus, yeah. So I, so I went to my settings. My location was on. And it's like, well, now we're at an impasse, basically, because, like, there's no way to proceed without convincing them that my location is on but it is on so (laughs) it's just like i got really frustrated and basically just like handed the keys to the guy i was like i'm done i can't i'm not doing this good for (laughs) you here's the keys (laughs) so i want to just say uh fuck you haul fuck all their employees if i ever see (laughs) anyone wearing a stupid u-haul shirt out in public Uh i'm gonna punch them right in the dick Unless it's a lady. And then I'll punch him in the lady dick. I'm a former U-Haul employee, but um, please don't punch me in my dick because it hurts bad enough already. Um, just know that God has punched me in the dick for you for working for U-Haul. That's a good start, but how many employees do they have? I need every one of them to be punched in the dick by God or me. Um, all right. Is that all for camping, Rob? Uh, I think think so yeah that's pretty much it oh wait no no no. Okay. one more one more thing Tell me one, more, one thing. more thing um <clears throat> scott mcnulty uh apparently listened to the 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 last pup dates we recorded uh-huh. and he left a really helpful he left a really helpful comment on the discord server saying hey um instead of uh burning through 30 pounds of incense why don't you try lighting a campfire? Or have you ever thought of lighting a campfire? Uh-huh. It's really help really helpful comment. Uh-huh. And um, the the answer is no, Scott, because 
campfires aren't permitted in state parks in Washington State, okay? Oh. Especially in August, all right? Okay? We don't know that because we live in a state where there's no rain, but you're allowed to burn stuff, and so we just have constant forest fires. That's how Scott actually, he, he took a day trip uh, to a northern city to cool off, and then he couldn't come home or get, like, come down the mountain to get home because uh, of a fire. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know cactuses burned. Uh, well, we have trees and stuff, but it's, uh, and there, I should say, basically, like, most of the state outside of Phoenix is pretty gorgeous. Phoenix is gorgeous if you like tan, uh, and, and mountains, which actually grow old, but, um, but yeah, the, we have, we have forests, um, but they, uh, they burn, um, so, yeah. Well, the, the funny, the funny conclusion of that little story though is that um after three years of going to this camp campsite uh-huh. like we never we never really ventured down there's a, a trail that leads to the lake uh-huh like keychulus lake which means less fish uh-huh means more fish that's a neighboring lake so we never actually ventured down there's like a, a trail that leads toward it but it's low water season you know high to peak of summer so it's <clears throat> It's mostly a dry lake bed almost. There's really no reason to go <laughs> to go down there. But uh, one morning I was kind of bored. And uh, so I walked. I, I just started walking down the little the little trail just to like see. I was boiling water, I think. I, I, I had a lot of fun collecting creek water uh-huh. and boiling it to do dishes with. It was like my my secret most favorite thing to do was just let time to go boil some water (laughs) and go (laughs) collect some water and then set it on the camp stove and just wait for it to boil. (laughs) But so I was waiting for the water to boil one morning and, um, I was like, well, I got time to go. Like I can traipse off for 15 minutes. It usually takes about a half an hour for this big pot of water to boil because it's freezing cold water to start with. I should probably start collecting the water and setting it out to warm up before starting to boil it. Come to think of it. But anyway, like I, I headed down this path and like a hundred feet from where the path starts, there's this big fire pit. Oh, (laughs) because, because once you cross over the trail, uh-huh. You're in forest service land, <gasps> and you which is, has a whole totally different set of rules. It's almost like, yeah, whatever goes. Um, so for the future, if there's no like statewide burn ban on or whatever, um, I can bring some firewood and we can actually roast weenies on an open fire instead of over the um, propane flame of a camp stove, which is not satisfying i have to say yeah no it doesn't sound satisfying um that (laughs) that'll be exciting yeah Yeah. so anyway so shout out to scott mcnulty for being so helpful Mm -hmm. and i'm sure he he'll be pleased to hear that um that there is a fire pit yeah plants are in the works yeah um so i got a negative review on itunes um, oh no! I'm not losing my mind as much as when I got a negative review implying that I was racist, um, which I probably am. Oh, but not in the way that this lady me. said I am. 
which reminds me just real quick uh-huh. the other the other best thing or do you know the other the best thing about um going camping up there What's in the woods that? for three days no black people rob you <laughs> the, rob's rob's words do not represent this podcast or the opinions of this podcast um, prove me wrong sydney prove me wrong I, I didn't see a single black face that whole time. <laughs> well, um, maybe your camping food would have been better than lame ass weenies on a Coleman if there were some black people around to bring you <laughs> to church. Um, <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying. Um, I mean, okay. Speaking of black people and food, is this our black people corner? Um, this new marketplace opened by our house called cosmic vegans and what it is is on friday saturday and sunday it is a pop-up marketplace for uh black owned vegan food vendors which there are surprisingly a lot of in arizona um and like there's a place that does like cauliflower wings there's a place that does cajun food there's a soul food place um but it's basically like kind of like an outdoor food court um of all vegan food and it is amazing so we've been going every weekend and um sometimes they have a dj which is cool i'm not gonna dance like i don't i'm not a good dancer but it's like especially i'm like around a bunch of white people i might be able to be like we're all terrible um but when i'm like the only white person and everyone else has melanin i'm i'm not dancing it's just not what's happening um, cause I, I do understand shame. So anyways, shout out to cosmic vegans, um, for, uh, because th- these fucking cauliflower wings by this place called hot sauce and pepper. Like I, I love vegan wings. It's what I eat everywhere. I travel. I, I have to find the place with the vegan wings, whatever. This fucking place has the best goddamn vegan wings I've ever had in my entire life. And to be honest with you, for my birthday, since I won't be able to go to Disneyland like I do every year, I'm probably just going to order a catering tray of these goddamn cauliflower wings. And I'm going to eat the entire tray by myself and say, what a great birthday. Um, so there's that. Yeah, I there, there was um, about was it a week and a half, a couple weekends ago, there was, um, it was a sort of a little festival put on in in the park across the street and it was a black owned business fair sort of. And so just, you know, booths of, of whatever selling all kinds of stuff. And there was quite a bit of food, most, a lot of like catfish and barbecue and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be interested in. Um, but there was one vegan place it was strictly vegan, and um, they had, like, it was really good. They had, like, three different plates you could choose from, like, different stuff on each plate. And um, I got the Southern, or the the Soul plate, Ooh. which had, like, it had collard greens, which were the best collard greens I've ever had. Really? Um, the texture was perfect. Flavor was great. I mean, it was amazing. And then there was these sweet potatoes. Um they were like it was called canned i think yeah candied sweet potatoes oh yeah that were Fuck just yeah. D- delicious like insane delicious homemade corn you know cornbread mm-hmm. um that was also amazing um what else was it? oh like some barbecued tofu cutlets 
And I want to say there was something else, too. It was just insane. It was so good. And, uh, yeah, uh, I tweeted out, the uh, like, a photo of the booth. I can't think of the name of the place off the top of my head, but they're, like, based out of Seattle, and it's more of a catering business, so you can't, like, go to a restaurant. But apparently they do, like, drop-offs. Mm-hmm. Like, once, I think, yeah, um, one day a week they'll drive down and, like, if you pre-order, they'll drop off, you know, what you ordered, catering style. And it's like, oh, man, my birthday's coming up. Maybe yeah. I should, like, get some of that because that was the best food I've had in literally years. That's so funny. We're living, like, <laughs> dual existences. Because, yeah, that's how these vendors are, like... None of them, most of them don't have storefronts. One of them has a food truck, but they all basically work out of commissary kitchens. And then you can either order like to pick up, like you pre-order and you drive by and they hand it to you or they do like these pop-ups and they have like their set location. They are at different days of the week. And it literally like most of them, it's a folding table and some sterno trays. But I really, like I really salute it because it's such a... It's such a low overhead way to start because usually restaurants are a really bad investment. Statistically, it's not. They're not very profitable. But this is a really like low overhead way to start a food business. And during COVID is a great time because people aren't, don't really want to dine in anyways. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been the business. Um, oh, okay. Oh, so, so back to the um, iTunes review. So this wasn't the yes. one saying that I'm racist. There was a new one saying that um, I'm super annoying and they I clearly didn't do my due diligence in researching my guest and they couldn't even make it to the interview because I'm like so annoying and um, I got facts wrong about my guest. But I I can't figure out what they're talking about because, like, I know I'm annoying, but um, it's not like I interview guests, like, where I do research about a guest. And it's not like I do a monologue before um, I interview that guest. So it almost sounded like they didn't even listen to the show. Uh, Yeah, that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like a real review. It doesn't even it's not even like it doesn't make sense no and i had one before that said that the show was boring and seems like a vehicle to promote advertisers and i was like well i don't i wish i wish i had advertisers um so i don't really know what that's about with these reviews that don't seem like they're reviews of my show if it had just said i was annoying i'd be like sure i get it like I am annoying, and also I'm a woman on a podcast, which a huge portion of the population finds annoying, no matter who the that woman is and on what podcast. So whatever. Um, so that that sucked because uh, it affects my iTunes rating. Just a reminder: hey, you can rate a show every six months. So if it's been a while since you've clicked that five star button on iTunes. Go ahead and do that. Here I am being a vehicle to promote advertisements. Um, (laughs) The other thing I wanted to talk about, since it's clearly been Jamaica month on the podcast, because Zach and I talked about Jamaican sex tourism. Yeah. You and I talked about Rastafarianism. 
And then, because it kept coming up in our research, the movie Stella got her groove back. Zach and I watched yeah. the movie and then did. And I just listened, I listened to that <laughs> episode today, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on Patreon, which is $1 a month, Zach and I uh, were talking about the movie How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Um, so that happened. And then also this month, Madonna went to Jamaica for her birthday. And um, uh. people were talking about it because, number one, she's there. Madonna turned 62. She was there with her boyfriend, who's 26, um, who apparently she's been with for two years. But so she's in Jamaica with her child bride. And um, at one point she was offered a joint and she's like, no, I'm saving my voice. But then later she put out all these pictures of herself like smoking a joint and there was all this weed around and um, I, apparently she's grinding up on the locals. I, so Madonna, she's also getting her groove back in Jamaica. And then, and then controversy struck this week because Adele posted a picture on her Instagram of her with her hair in Bantu knots and she's wearing a Jamaican flag bikini, and she's got these yellow feathers coming out at the back of her head. And she posted the comment, like, happy, because this week is normally, I guess, Notting Hill uh, Carnival, which is the second largest carnival oh, right. in the world. Yep. Um, in, in, in England, right? In England, yeah. Because, okay, yeah. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. near Notting Hill, there's a town called Tottenham, which is actually where Adele grew up. But Tottenham has like one of the largest and most significant Afro-Caribbean populations outside of the Caribbean. Um, so there is a history of Afro-Caribbeans moving to this town called Tottenham where Adele grew up. But um, <clears throat> this, this Notting Hill Carnival is a big deal. It's not happening this year, obviously. So Adele posted this photo, which it, we don't really know when it's from, if it was from last year's carnival or what. Um, but people lost their minds because of cultural appropriation, um, because Adele is a white lady and she has her hair in Bantu knots and she's wearing the Jamaican flag bikini, um, and the internet lost its goddamn mind. And so I said, it's Jamaica month on my podcast. Let me get to the bottom of this story. Um, a, so apparently, like, the the crux of this Notting Hill Carnival is it says that it celebrates Caribbean culture and interracial tolerance. And um, it seems like the people, for the most part, because I read, there's, there are thousands of comments on this photo. And it seems like black Americans have a huge problem with this. Like they, uh -huh. they say this is cultural appropriation. It seems like black British people are about 50, 50. Cause most of them are like, yeah, like everyone dresses up for carnival. It is about like interracial tolerance. Like that's just how it is here. It's not like, in, con in the context of this carnival, what she's wearing is not inappropriate, according to, like, black British people. Um, and then Jamaican people fucking love it. Like, 
Chopper's coming in. I know. Clearly, I don't know what's going on at Rob's house. Sorry. He's getting raided because he has a bunch of illegal vegan jerky. Um, (laughs) So it seems like, okay, so like Jamaicans were super excited to have Madonna there. And and I should say that she was traveling. She had already tested positive for COVID antibodies, so she felt comfortable traveling. But Jamaicans were like super excited about Madonna being there. And like a bunch of people were like, thank you so much. We love having you. Like, thank you for celebrating your birthday, whatever. And it seems like Jamaicans for the most part about this Adele situation are like, we fucking love it. Like we're proud of our culture, sharing our culture, whatever. And then a couple, like a smaller sect of actual Jamaicans are like, it's the kind of like how women can have internalized patriarchy like they're saying that these jamaicans have internalized colonialism and that is why they're accepting adele stealing their culture but um it's been an interesting story to follow because this this one picture has ignited this thing where the the opinions are so far apart you know like this is the worst thing that's ever happened the doll is a fucking culture thief and other people being like we're so happy that she's celebrating jamaican culture um so i don't know it's interesting i don't i don't i can't really i don't really have a horse in the race because i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure but um what are you gonna do you know well it reminds me of um was it like a year or two ago Go. There was some some high school chick who went to prom in like a kimono and got all the same kind of flack about cultural appropriation. And it was everyone who was like yelling at her was like a white person. <laughs> and then when you when uh, you know someone went and asked like Japanese people mm-hmm. what they thought, like people in Japan. You know, who don't speak English, whatever. Like, what do you think about this? And they're like, "Oh, that's so great! I'm so glad that you know they're appreciating our culture or whatever." Like, they were just happy that, oh, look, it's one of our dresses being worn by somebody else. That's so cool. Yeah, (laughs) I was so I read um, because I wanted to, you know, I'm diving deeper and I'm following links, and I found this article that surprisingly was on Teen Vogue, which is like. A lot more intellectual than it was uh, when I was young. But um, I found this really well-written article on Teen Vogue about cultural appropriation. Um, And the jumping-off point for it was, like, the braided hairstyles that have become very in vogue that obviously are from the black community. But, like, white girls are rocking these, like, cornrows and stuff. um, Or their boxer braids. Um, and, uh, what they were saying is like, basically it has to do with the, the power structure. So like, um, there's cultural exchange, which is fair and credited. And then they're like, or there's, you know, a fashion show, like a Mark Jacobs runway show where it's all white models wearing black hairstyles and there's no black women included and there's no hairdressers that like because it's common in the modeling industry and tv industry that hairdressers that are hired to do shows don't know how to do black hair like black actresses and models like they have to do their own hair and makeup and so they're like it 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 
it kind of stinks when you have a, a fashion show of white women rocking black hairdos and there's no black women in the show. There's no black women doing hair in the back. There's no hairdressers who even know how to do black women's hair. So like that's, but if, if it's presented in like, you know, an even playing field where the culture is included rather than like just being like stolen and excluded. And, and the reference they gave was like, Initially, people claimed that jazz started in New York because these New York musicians visited New Orleans and then brought that music style back and said they invented it like these white dudes. <clears throat> and so like that's cultural appropriation <coughs> versus acknowledging the true roots of jazz, which is like, you know, Creole cultures in Louisiana and say like, I don't know, being inclusive of that and acknowledging it. I, I'm not articulating this well. I'm going to get fucking canceled, I'm sure. I just fucking walk on eggshells. So, I don't know. But uh, I'm, I don't know if people are canceling Adele or if she's just on a time out. Yeah, that seems ridiculous, but whatever. I just, <laughs> I feel like the way people are now... Okay, I'm, de I'm definitely getting canceled. The way liberals are now, and I say this as a liberal, so stop it. Stop it, you people, before you fucking tell me I'm a men's rights activist or some shit. The way liberals are now is they are outraged all the time. And they always have their eye out for the slightest indiscretion or whisper of something that is not quite woke so that they can pop off about it. Like, they are just so ready to cancel people for um, doing something that is near the realm of wrong, for doing something out of ignorance, for saying something, whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. And it reminds me of when I grew up, I was raised super religious, and my parents saw everything as like, this like threat, you know, like um, I couldn't watch MTV The Grind, the workout show because it was pornography. I couldn't watch Blossom because it acknowledged that her boyfriend wanted to touch her boobs. Like literally that was an episode. My parents were like, you can't watch this show anymore. Um, a lot of at my church, they discouraged listening to like mainstream music at youth group. Kids would break their Backstreet Boys CDs or like anything like they, they would come up and do a confessional and and break their secular music CDs. Like that's how I grew up where it, it was just hysterics all the time because the devil was in these things. And I feel like liberal culture, especially Internet culture the way that it has become is that it is looking for the devil and it's it's an exhausting level of hysteria that i just like can't with um so uh like so my co my, i have a co-worker who has a face mask that it has like red lips and a tongue on it like it's basically it's knockoff rolling stones she's a 55 year old lady she wears a, she loves lips that's her thing she loves the rolling stones whatever so we posted they posted a picture online and she had that mask on and someone commented about it looking like blackface blah 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 it became this whole thing because it's a solid black mask with a mouth on it 
Like it doesn't look like a blackface illustration. It doesn't resemble blackface at all to me. Like it's a mouth with a tongue on black fabric, which makes great masks because they don't get dirty and stained. Like, is there a piece of watermelon? Like poised, ready to bite or anything? No, no watermelon. No watermelon. And so huh. Huh. it was interesting that it became this whole like internet thing about how it was blackfaced. And like meanwhile, this woman, like not that it matters, not that it matters. It should not matter. But this woman is married to a black man. She has a black son <laughs> with her former husband who was black. You know what I mean? Like, and she's raised her son going to Black Lives Matters protests before George Floyd. Like, this woman is is very much an ally of the black community, <laughs> like an active ally, um, and politically active. And so it's, but but she gets skewered for wearing a, this this mask that is, that has a mouth on it because it's apparently blackface. And I just was like, people need to start doing something that isn't staring at their phone looking for a reason to get mad like buy a fucking boat that's what i did i'm i'm refurbi <laughs> i'm refurbishing a boat like do anything that is away from your telephone because it is an exhausting level of hysteria and it makes me as someone who like does want to become successful in like in media I, I would like to become a full-time successful podcaster. Lord knows I've put thousands of dollars into forming a podcast uh, LLC. So, like, um, it'd be great if I could make any of that back. But, like, it, it worries me that were I to reach any level of success, like, there's, I've, I, I, there's got, I, I've probably said something or will say something that then people would be like, cancel her. She said that she had a dick and she was making fun of trans people because she said that God punched her in the dick. Like... So I don't know. I mean, I did, I did say the best part about camp, my camping experience was the fact that there were no black people up there. So We know that you moved I mean, to Washington State to avoid black people. Like <laughs> I grew up I grew up in the least black I think Orange County, like Huntington Beach area, is probably the least black area in the country. I believe it actually so to, Orange County is the whitest um County. Well, tons of Asians, tons of Asians though, like oh. heavy Japanese, mm -hmm. heavy Japanese community there from like long ago. Um, like I attended a middle school at a place called Masuda Middle School named after some guy, I don't know. And then there was like, you know, Tokai Bank and, you know, there was just like lots of Japanese influence there. So tons of Asians, not very many black people. Yeah. And then you moved to Washington because it felt also it felt like home it yep lots of white i mean i'm in tacoma now this is probably the most racially like diverse city i've ever lived in well i did live in briefly in um north carolina in wilmington oh, okay but that was like super racially segregated like there was there was the black neighborhoods, and then there was the white neighborhoods. There was the black neighborhood, <laughs> you know and I mean? then where they filmed Dawson's Creek. Exactly. Because right, I think right. that is where they filmed Dawson's Creek, 
in Wilmington. I think you're right. Or mm-hmm. One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, some. I think they filmed a lot of stuff in Wilmington. I was there in like 90, what would it have been? 95. Mm. And um, <clears throat> so just when it started like popping off there, and I worked at this little garden center, and um, they used to rent plants to film production companies, huh. like big house house plants and stuff. So I remember, you know, like loading box trucks full of these plants to go off and be used in a film a film shoot. So if I mean, my fingerprints might be on an episode of Dawson's Creek. Oh, that is pretty exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Legendary. Rob Love is legendary. Legendary. (laughs) But, yeah, no, I mean, Tacoma's pretty diverse, I would have to say. And, I mean, Olympia, I don't know. Most of Washington is, there's a lot of military up here. Okay. And I think that brings a lot of, um, you know, especially black folks, it seems like. Yeah, I think the military um, is one of the largest employers of minorities in the United States. Uh, make, yeah. make what you will out of that. Um, right. You know what I right. mean? Like, so I wish a... a better business was the biggest employer of minority. <laughs> <laughs> I wish yeah. there was a better, they, they wish it was like this awesome company that took care of people. Um, and didn't the non the non killing people yeah. um, mm-hmm. branch of the government? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I, I don't know I, what else. I don't know. I don't know either. I think I've talked about all the stuff we did camping. We did other stuff. Yeah, um, we did it all. Um, yeah. You got any other rants you want to go off? Are you angry at anyone else? Um, I mean, well, I haven't been on my phone as much, so, uh, I'm not super angry. Plus, plus, I didn't say this in the beginning, but I am once again broadcasting from the floor of my garage because I am unable to sit in a chair. Um, so I, I guess I don't have as much energy to be hateful um because my insides are killing me but um but yeah i bought a boat and so that's my whole life now is that i'm a boat person living my boat well now is this is this boat the the inflatable kayak no i bought um i bought a sailboat um oh okay because that explains why there's wooden parts yeah yeah i yeah okay uh, um I I have been taking online sailing lessons because after my surgery, I'm going to take the in-person to become a certified skipper. Um, I might go do some volunteer work with the Arizona Yacht Club next week. Uh, I'm very deep into boat life. Um, but I found this little, it's called a sailing dinghy, and it basically is kind of like picture something the size of a rowboat. It's 14 feet long. Um, and it... Uh, it, it's a used, the, the price for this boat used would be like normally a thousand dollars. Um, and these people were selling it, the boat and the trailer together for $500 and like, cause they were moving and like everything must go. And so I wasn't going to buy a boat until after I was certified and whatever. But, um, 
this was too good of a deal to pass up. And it's the same boat that my stepdad had growing up that I sailed. So I'm kind of familiar with it. Um, huh. So I bought the boat, which is in really good shape. They just it had sat uncovered the past two years. So some of the wood trim was like just scorched like the veneer was gone and um so i had to sand it all down and i stained it and now i'm in the process of sealing it real nicely so it doesn't get water damage um but the boats uh seems to be in really good shape there's some like cracks in the clear coat but it doesn't go down to the fiberglass um and so i just like looked up how to fix it and it seems easy you like dremel the edges of the crack and then you paint the shit on it and then you're good um, so I'm going to fix that and then, um, wax her up. Um, and basically like the, the, the work that I might be doing for the Arizona Yacht Club is they have these like loaner boats that they like lend to people who, you know, don't have money, but like want to learn to sail or teach their kids to sail or whatever. Um, and it's like getting them ready for the season. So it's like washing and waxing them. So if I go volunteer to help them get these boats ready, I learn more about boat maintenance, which I can then bring home to my own boat. Um, so that's what I'm doing with my life. It's really given me a reason to live. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I look forward to having a whole new identity by the end of this, you know, um, I'm just going to become a boat person. And then people go, whatever happened to that podcast? And like, she lives on a boat now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're already into yacht rock. You like Michael McDonald. I love Michael McDonald. So yeah, I love yacht rock. It's time to get on a yacht. Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll be getting surgery in like a month and then, I'll be working 80 hours a week for the rest of the year to pay it off. But then after that, I'm sure I will then be spending a lot of time on the boat. Well, that's something to look forward to. It is. It is. I think everyone needs to, uh, you need to have something to look forward to. Like my friend Jeff and I, who he's actually on a vacation um, that Zach and I were supposed to be on. But um, at the time that we had planned it, which was almost a year ago, like I was anticipating having had surgery long ago and being healthy and there not being a pandemic. So like we ended up not going because my health um, and it's a pandemic, but uh, our friends went. Um, but my friend Jeff, who's on the on said trip, like he and I always are like, we have to book a trip. So like we have a reason to keep going to work and something to look forward to. Like just to, especially in the desert, like we don't have seasons. So it's not like, oh, yay, fall. Oh, yay, winter. Oh, yay, spring. Like we don't have these landmarks of time. Um, it's just hot all the time. So like it's almost like you need something to landmark time, you know, and go, okay, this is what's happening. This is the trip I'm going on, whatever. Uh, and so that's kind of, I just, I, I need to always have something, you know what I mean? That's going to happen or that I'm working towards. I can't imagine not having that because it's just i think you would there's a madness that happens if you live somewhere without seasons yeah yeah we got plenty of seasons here sometimes all in the same day yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) i don't yeah i don't have anything looking forward to until uh i think next year's camping trip so that's exciting i got another 359 days 
to go. Right around the corner, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess, is that it? Are we done? I guess so. I mean, I was, like, Googling Australian dog breeds. What? But, well, I mean... I love Australian dogs. Uh-huh. And you know they're part dingo they're all part dingo. Is that true? Yeah. All no. of the Australian dog breeds are part dingo. No, it's true. I was looking up the history of it and stuff in the time that I um wasn't on since I haven't been on Twitter, I have time to do other things. Yeah. So I was <laughs> I was like researching Australian dog breeds. And apparently like they sent they sent dogs from England. I think they're called a driver, driver, drovers. I think the breed was called the drovers. Uh-huh. Never heard of it before. They sent them over to Australia and somebody bred uh, male drovers with female dingoes. Wild. And then sold the pup, sold the pups to um, local shepherds. And then they like, further refined the breed to like come up with first of all it was like the stump-tailed Australian cow dog Uh and then the Australian cow dog and then Australian shepherd but they all they're all part dingo which is pretty cool and I learned that dingoes came to Australia like 5,000 years ago with people who arrived from like Southeast Asia they weren't there with the original aborigines like they didn't they didn't have dingoes up until like 5,000 years ago when they were brought there by these like, yeah, these wild, I'm not going to call them Asian boat people, but that's exactly what they were. So why not? Yeah. Why not? Asian why not? boat people. <laughs> you remember the boat people from the like eighties or whatever, right? The boat. Maybe you were a little too young for that. I don't um, know. There was like a thing. There was a thing with like Cambodian refugees. Oh, okay. Same thing that's going on in Syria with Syria and like Africa, you know, people boat in the Mediterranean right now was taking place back in the like after the Vietnam, you know, after Vietnam War and like Vietnam was communist Uh for a long time after that. They still are actually technically, but they, you know, they're capitalist or whatever as well, but. For a long time, long time, uh, there were people that were fleeing. <laughs> there were people fleeing these communist dictatorships on boats, you know, as refugees. And um, there was a, oh my God, there was a made for TV. This is great. And maybe you can look this up, but there was a made for TV um, special. It was like one of these made-for-TV movies. Maybe it was an after-school special. I'm not really sure, but they actually showed it in, like, my seventh-grade class one time. So this would put it right around, yeah, like 1986 or something, right around the time of the ch- uh, the Challenger explosion. Uh-huh. But um, it, was, um, it was one of the guys from M.A.S.H., not BJ Honeycutt, but the 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 guy who was actually funny. Uh, Alan Alda. No, um, Alan Alda's sidekick oh. before BJ Honeycutt. There was a Trapper John. Mm-hmm. It was uh-huh. the Trapper John guy, the actor who played him, and he was um, like an American whose family 
uh, adopted or not adopted because the mom was there. So it was like they, um, whatever they sponsored, um, a family from like Vietnam or Cambodia or something to come stay with them because they were fleeing horrible things. (laughs) And, um, so they, the, the one thing, the one scene I remember is, um, like the mom of the adopted family, like the the Vietnamese lady, uh-huh. uh, offers to like make dinner for the family, and so she makes this big stir fry and uh, and uses all of their hot sauce in the <laughs> stir fry, and like trap Trapper John's wife is like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen an empty bottle of Tabasco sauce before. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just laughed so hard my tampon sprung a leak. That's brilliant. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but you can look. I'm sure it can be looked at. It'll be and on his IMDb, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's so good. So I recommend anyone who can find it should watch it just for... A laugh, but also a taste of what um, life was like in, like, 1986. (laughs) It was bananas. Yeah, uh, it sure was. Uh, So I used to dress, I mean, I still, I guess, I'm told I dress very 80s, but I used to dress, like, very 80s. Um, Because in the early aughts, there was, like, a movement called New Rave, which was, like, uh, I don't know, it was, like, a music fashion like nu rave anyways lots of neons lots of whatever um and and now i have i'm a i'm a blonde lady and i wear more like normal clothes not totally but whatever but i was like you know what i think i'm gonna bring back the neons you know like maybe the last time i was happy was the 80s and it's time and the early 90s like it's time to just bring it back i'm just going going back to the neons um Uh, This company, Gecko Hawaii, which was big in the late 80s, early 90s, just, like, restarted production. And it's, like, neon clothes with geckos all over them. And I'm, like, I think this is my new look. I'm just – I'm bringing back my old look to the new look. Um, Because who wants to live in 2020? Like, I think everyone should – you know, you pick an era and you make that your fantasy – um, and you pretend that that's what you're existing in. You just you only watch movies from then. You wear the clothes from then, and you pretend that the now is not happening because the now is not great. No, um, 1986 was cool. I just remembered that one of the main plot or the main plot point in this um, movie I was describing mm-hmm. is that one of the daughters, like she comes to. Uh, first of all, the movie opens with this horrific scene of her escaping all this violence and. Uh, She's like scrambling through the mud of this rice paddy or something. And um, she like has her mom. She has like a, a piece of jewelry that she's hiding in her mouth. And then it, it, it falls out of her mouth into the mud or something. She just like puts it back in her mouth because she's got to keep the, the jewelry safe from being stolen by the bad people. <laughs> and then. So that's how the movie starts. And then she she and her family come to the U.S. and they assimilate. And then she eventually becomes a spelling bee champion. Oh, my Sydney. gosh. Yes. Whoa. She goes from not being able to goes from not being able to pronounce her L's to being a spelling bee champion in the English language. 
That is way. impressive. That is actually very impressive. Yep. How yep. do you remember this so vividly? Did you see it more than once? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I probably saw it twice, but I think I just remember things from 35 years ago more than I remember things from like two days ago. Well, marijuana does affect one's short-term memory, so there is that. Well, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just I'm getting older. I can't, I don't have the recall. I can't think of words. I'm just getting old. I got old man brain. I need some of that um, uh, human growth hormone. Yeah. Or the some of that stuff would probably give me the um, the Sylvester Stallone treatment. Yeah. I think I'd be on top of my game. I think so. I would love some. Well, I used to when I was 23, I could take a 12 tops order and remember it all by the time I got to the computer. Like 12 people, apps, entrees, drinks, I got you. Now I take two people's burger orders and if i get intercepted by another table on my way to the computer it's gone it, i gotta write everything down <laughs> like i can't it's so funny because when i was younger i used to think oh it's just because i'm smart i'm i'm so smart and like when older servers would be like oh yeah no that goes when you get older you'll see and then i was like whatever and now here i am i'm 35 and i'm just like yeah nothing sticks I, I think also part of it is, like, the busier you are, the more information you're taking in, the harder it is to remember things. And, like, when I was 23. Right. Um, you had nothing else going on. No, no. I was, uh, I think, uh, you know, I was taking, I was in college maybe part-time. And then I worked, I waited tables part-time. And then in my free time, I, like, sewed. Like, now I, it's like I got two jobs. I'm founding a corporation. I have to produce podcasts like it's it's a lot it's a you know i'm raising dogs it's a lot and so i think the amount of information going into my brain uh and the the sort of balls i have in the air i don't i just don't have any room to remember if someone wanted french fries or tater tots i can't do it it's it's you know so yeah i know I know, I'm right there with you. We've been so old on this podcast. We've talked about uh, we've talked about how no kids don't play outside anymore. <laughs> how, we <can't, laughs> how we can't remember anything, and um, how things were better in the eighties. <laughs> yep. uh, and I stand by all of these. I hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah, and fuck you all. <laughs>